all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Today on Lime Ninja Radio. A surprise for us to how how hard it's been to be well in a, a sense. Emotionally, because we tell yeah, each emotionally. other. Aaron, um, he's been working from home one or two days a week for the last three years. Now we're working from home full time. But multiple times a week, even now, we will look at each other and say, hey, we're not in crisis. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by the Lime Ninja Symptom Tracker. I'm so excited to tell you about our new Lime Ninja Symptom Tracker. One of the things I hear over and over again, whether it's talking to a patient in my office or consulting over the phone with a client, is just how difficult it is to keep track of progress on their Lyme journey. Recording symptoms daily or even weekly gives them too many data points. There are so many ups and downs, twists and turns that at some point they get lost and confused. The Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker takes all the guesswork out of tracking symptoms with a simple monthly questionnaire. Once a month is the perfect interval to see if that new supplement or protocol is working. Right now, when you take the Symptom Tracker questionnaire, we give you a simple composite score for the month. But we have big plans and the data you enter will not be lost as we roll out new features. Best of all, it's free. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker and sign up. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker. You'll be glad you did. Hello, I'm your host and acupuncturist McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 161 with Aaron and Sarah Sanchez. Also, welcome our show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello, and in this episode, you will learn how important a supportive community is when recovering, how Sarah Sanchez's experience as a health coach emphasized the importance of having a fighting mindset in getting better from the disease, and how recovery from illness is as important as curing the illness itself. Thank you, Aurora. As you all know, every journey through Lyme disease is different, and cookie-cutter approaches just don't work. You need to fight Lyme like a ninja. That's why each week we bring you a new and interesting guest, just for you. Lyme disease is an international problem, and each week we have listeners join us from all over the world, from Brisbane to Binghamton, and from Germany to Japan. Also, our podcast... Ah, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> let's rewind that. Our podcast hosting service also keeps track of which towns and cities listen the most. So we like to bring you the, each week the top 10 Lime Ninja cities. And in number 10. Starting in 10th place is San Diego, California. Number 9, Houston, Texas. Number 8, Seattle, Washington. Number 7, Dallas, Texas. Number six, Ashburn, Virginia. Number five, Castle Rock, Colorado. Number four, Morrisville, Pennsylvania. Number three, Mill Valley, California. Number two, Ansonia, Connecticut. And number one, Austin, Texas. So Texas really brings home the prize this week. Well, I was going to say, come on, Dallas and Houston. What are you doing down there at the bottom of the list and letting Austin get there in front of you? All right, Aurora. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about today's guest, guests. Guests. Yes. Aaron and Sarah Sanchez. 
And they're the hosts of Lime Voice. They are the hosts of Lime Voice. And we had them on, it seems like... About a hundred episodes ago. Many, many... Many moons ago. Many, many moons ago. Yes, when they were first launching their podcast. And they had some difficulties and were doing some other projects in between and put Lime Voice on hold. And now they're back in full swing, so we're really happy to have them back in the yes. podcasting universe. And they've uh, they've got some they've produced some very interesting projects that I'm looking forward to seeing as well. Yes, why don't but, you tell us about them? Yes, so Sarah Sanchez had been suffering from undiagnosed Lyme disease for 18 years. They had experienced firsthand the toll Lyme disease takes on families and relationships. And Aaron was actually inspired by Lyme Ninja Radio podcast and made his own called Lyme Voice, dedicated to those who are suffering and living with Lyme disease. They explore the often complex social and emotional aspects of Lyme that impact households across the country. Since we last spoke to them, they are now full-time podcasters, they have written a children's book, and made a short documentary about Lyme disease. Thanks, Aurora, and here's our interview with Aaron and Sarah Sanchez. funny because I feel like we're your side is so much more medical and informational uh-huh. and our side has sh- shifted and focused more on the social emotional side which you've done several of those interviews but I just think it's interesting how you know as the years have unfolded we kind of have these distinct styles yeah it's, it is amazing isn't it uh in the beginning I had a that was one of my great interests in the emotional impact and interviewing you. And there's some other interviews right around the same time where just the emotional carnage of, of a having a chronic illness, right. B having a chronic illness where the support in the traditional medical community is weak. Right. And then because of that, some, the, the, the community, support can also be weak because they're looking toward the experts and the expert says there's nothing wrong with you and clearly you're acting wrong. So therefore you, you must be crazy or lazy or, you know, act, right. acting. It's all, it's all a act. It's, yeah. Know, an attempt to get attention. Yeah. Great. That's exactly what we want. But I think, I think the, the community part has come around. Now I'm not saying it's, it's uniformly supportive, but in general, there's a community support for people with Lyme disease is there. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's changed from the, from the last time that we spoke. And what's, what's your experience with that? Like moving to Colorado, a new community and telling people away oh, have Lyme disease. Do they say, Oh my God, you're one of those crazy people or are they kind of embracing you? Well, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're embracing us, but we've, our story is a little bit different in that we moved. Uh, one of the reasons we moved out here is to go to Bible college. <clears throat> and um, what we've seen through this Bible college is their focus is heavily into healing. Um, so the community we're a part of at the moment um, is very accepting, but it's also very accepting because they're seeing, you know, people with sicknesses are kind of flocking to this area um, 
and so it's it's well it's well received but it is it's not normal either <laughs> does that make sense so you, you put yourselves in a in a, in a commune <laughs> yes in a, in a way <laughs> but yeah, a, bi- a bible a school a bible school in a community yeah. right a, let's call it a conscious community so there you go so you put yourself in a situation where your story uh is, is accepted and embraced yeah and unfortunately it's not um uh, it's not unique <laughs> there's so many people that have experienced chronic illness and in fact we're looking at uh doing a second uh podcast um revolving a little bit more in depth on how to heal from chronic illness and kind of opening it past just Lyme disease yeah because really what we found is when you get to the basement of chronic illness it kind of doesn't matter if it's lupus or a, a, a skin irritation of any sort. You know, I mean, it's kind of the, the, the Western medicine is failing in certain areas that people aren't able to get past. And so we're, we're doing alternative methods. Um, and, you know, one of them being even just this church, the, the Bible school that we're, we're part of. It's not a church. It's a Bible school. Right. And, and because Western medicine doesn't, is not the fix all that they've been trying to convince us for the last 60 years. And, and so there's other ways to heal. And what we're really looking at is just when someone, what is the base of getting better from whatever illness from mental illness, chronic illness, yeah, all sorts of stuff. Right. Well, we're, we're, we are talking about, chronic illness because if you don't have a chronic illness, it means you got better. Right. <laughs> right. right. And then, and then you're not having a problem, right? You know, we get a flu, we get the cold it, it, and the mm-hmm. flus don't kill us anymore. So we come out the other end and, you know, you feel miserable for whatever period of time, you know, the same for a broken bone or a rehab from a, from a surgery or something like that, a, a joint replacement, you know, there's a, there's an end point. And, yeah. you know, there may be some chronic nature with it, but it's like, okay, that's just the, you know, that's just the cards that are dealt with the surgery. For example, you know, my, my knee's always going to be a little bit achy and I, and I can live with that, but it's much different than you said, like with lupus, with Alzheimer's, with ALS, yeah. with Lyme disease, with the other co-infections, with mold infection, with some of these ill-defined the autoimmune kind of things that, you know, they think they know what's going on, but there's the ability to, uh, to make an impact, to change it. And have you read at all kind of the history of tuberculosis? No, uh uh-uh. You know, it's, it is a parallel story because the science and medicine of the day was ineffective in understanding what was going on. And so Mm -hmm. in the face of that, you have all these alternative treatments, you know, and you can either think of that as uh quacks running around or people who are caring, attempting to take care of these people who aren't getting care, you know, more of a mother Teresa kind of model. And yeah. uh th- there are quite a few good books out there about that history and how that nut was finally cracked. And it wasn't cracked by the big guys. You know, they didn't mm-hmm. really have as many government. There was some government sponsored research, but for the most part, there were, you know, famous researchers, Pasteur, for example, and his mm-hmm. lab. Uh, but the, the answers came from 
country doctors way out on the fringes. Mm-hmm. And, that's fascinating. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's, we're, we're, we're in a parallel situation. It's like, we're, what has gotten us this far? It's, it's Einstein, right? What has gotten us this far is keeping us blind to the next step we have to take. And so we're all just, you know, floundering around trying to find out what's, what is this chronic infection thing? And what is this mitochondrial dysfunction that comes along with it? And, you know, there's some very, what do I want to say? Uh, confident people out there who think they've cracked the nut and, you know, mm-hmm. we'll just have to see if they have or not. That's interesting. I've studied the AIDS epidemic quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that there's a lot of parallels with that, but yeah, I'm definitely going to look up a book on that tuberculosis because it is, it's like, okay, what we're doing isn't working, <laughs> you know, for so many people, it's not working. And so we have to start thinking outside the box and being open to things. And, um, I was doing some coaching last year, it was doing some like one-on-one coaching with people who had recently gotten diagnosed. And, um, after about six months, I told Aaron, I was like, I don't want to do this because at the root of every single conversation I was having, it would come back to what is their mindset? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I mean, we've been saying fighting is a mindset, but I felt like I saw it so clearly when I'm coaching people because I'm giving the same information to different people. Mm -hmm. And some people are running with it and are doing great. Some people are implementing it and are for a week or for two weeks and then quit. Like there's all these factors and it's not always about resources. It's not always about symptoms. It kind of comes down to this mindset. And I think you have to have that mindset in order to keep fighting and pushing the barriers. Yeah. Because you have to learn how to talk to your doctor and say, no, I need better pain management or (laughs) I need to sleep. Like if you can't help me figure this out, who can? Yeah. And for me being the healthy spouse, um, you know, my passion has been for those that are the support, um, you know, the, the caretakers, if you will. And it's surprising to see how much the mindset plays even into uh, the caretaker role. Because if they don't have the right mindset and they don't have the same fighting spirit that the patient does, they're almost as detrimental to the process if they're not on board. And it's and so really, that's kind of like what we've been fishing out of the this dark pit of of disease (laughs) is, okay. what is getting better for what is helping people get better? And that mindset you know, and, and it's across the board. It doesn't matter if you're sick or not. If you don't have a mindset to move forward, to, you know, to keep to keep progressing past whatever hiccup it is, because Lyme just throws day after day, it throws another symptom at you, another issue, another whatever. And it, it wants to floor you and keep you stuck in that spot. And so for those that are getting better, the mindset and the mindset of those around them, it's so important. Yes. And what do I want to say about that? There's, that's one of the things that became very clear after interviewing about, I don't know, when I got to my, let's say, 17th interview with somebody who had chronic Lyme severely mm-hmm. and had come out the other end was there was, uh, for lack of a better word, a spiritual 
mm-hmm. turning point. And sometimes mm-hmm. it was literally a spiritual turning point and involved God in prayer and, and something like that. And other mm-hmm. times it was, uh, I'm going to say a humanistic spiritual turning point, which, yeah. which is a different thing, but they're, they're, they're similar. I think mm-hmm. they're similar. So maybe their source is different. I don't know. That's a philosophical question. That's probably way, way out of my, my depth for understanding. <laughs> but the, the point is there's this turning point where the person sees their situation, the path out and their role in this completely differently. And it, yeah. and, and, and it is, and it's the, that's the beginning, you know, that's the turning point. Um, and sometimes it's the willingness to try something different. Sometimes it's the, uh, taking responsibility of your own and, and leaving the community, uh, or going against the normal advice. Uh, you know, sometimes it's just that, okay, I'm going to stand up for myself more. It's, but there's always this point where, where they, and, and they can identify. That's the other, that's the other fascinating thing. It's identifiable. Mm-hmm. Almost to the point where the people are saying, "Yeah, I remember. I remember the day, if not like the date on the calendar. They remember. It's one of those moments." Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. Yeah. I mean, as you're saying that, McKay, I'm remembering my moment where Aaron Aaron was always supportive, but he didn't understand what was going on. And there's a complacency. If you've been in bed on and off for three years, you don't expect what you would of a healthy person, right? Mm-hmm. And so there was just this this complacency. And I was at the point where I was just tired of like going to the doctor and not having information and not fighting with them, but dealing with them and then coming home and trying to convince Aaron of these different things we could try that were all expensive. And, but I had this period and I don't know if it was like a year or six months or 18 months, but I felt like I kind of gave up in a sense. Like I felt like I had fought as hard as I could fight and I didn't have any more in me. And my friend Heather, who's in the documentary we did disappearing from society, she called me and said, "Uh, my kids want to know if you could possibly die. And she said, I can't tell them that you're not dying. And if you're dying, what we have got to figure something out. And that what for me was an aha moment. And I cried. I'm like, I'm, I can't fight this anymore. Like I'm so tired of just fighting to get people to understand, but it's, it set me free. And then I was like, okay, you're right. I do have to go to the next step. And then that for me was what really got the ball rolling in early 2013. But I regret that those few months, I was so foggy headed. I don't really know how much time it was, but it is the, your mindset affects every decision you make all day long. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We, on this end, we've toyed with the idea of uh, changing the name of the podcast and dropping the image of the, the cartoon ninja, because it doesn't, in some ways, doesn't seem to match up with the seriousness, seriousness of the disease. However, mm. <laughs> it's right. like, you know, if you're not your own ninja, you know, if you're not in there sneaking around trying to figure out, you know, novel strategies, that's the whole point of a ninja is they're not coming in there, you know, as the, the main front of the army. They're the spies. They're the people gathering information. They're using the unusual tactics to get the job done. And it's asymmetrical 
yeah. warfare, right? <laughs> it's like they're, you know, so that's the spiritual conversion. It's the, oh my goodness, I've got MTHFR. Uh, oh my goodness, I've also have, you know, a mold infection that needs to be taken care of or heavy metal. And wow, yeah. once I start addressing that, we have an interview coming out on a mom who's the miracle cure for her family. So first of all, the daughter, this is brutal, right? The daughter gets Lyme disease. Nobody knows what it is. The daughter's sick. They get enough healing going around her that she starts to recover, at which point somebody finally tests her for Lyme and the test comes back positive. Or both of those together, right? It's like she's probably been tested before, but the test finally comes back positive and they get the diagnosis. At which point the family gets lice. Somebody brings home lice from school and now they all have Lyme disease. No. Yes. Oh, wow. Right. Just brutal. through lice. Yeah. Through lice. Oh my gosh. How awful. That is crazy. It is crazy. Hmm. And oh my gosh. So, but what, what turned around the healing for, for almost all of them, they also had parasites from somewhere. So whether it's from an animal or a pet or a vacation or who knows, right? But here they are in the U.S. and they're highly educated, right? These are not, you know, somebody you say, Oh yeah, we better look for parasites in them. You know, they're highly educated, highly cleaned, normal people. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and they started doing enemas. <laughs> Interesting. And the enemas turn things around. It's like, okay. So mm. much, so much to the point, like with the, with the young, the youngest, you know, she came back and said, mommy, we need to do more enemas. Wow. You know, That's she, huge. Cause she felt so much better. Right. And it's just saline. It wasn't any, there's no herb going in. There's no nothing. It's just let's clear out faster than we normally do. Let's get our bias yeah. working again. So again, like in my mind, that's a, you know, that's a ninja skill. It's like kind of funny yeah, totally. and weird and out there. And, you know, this isn't anyway, it's not what's, what's the right word. It's, it's not frontal, full frontal medicine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think the lin- the ninja is perfect because that's exactly what you have to do. Yeah. <laughs> you have to learn to fight in different ways. Yeah. alternative methods and against the norm and you can and, and a lot of times you have to do it secretly uh, because <laughs> that's a great point <laughs> i love it it's true though yeah because i mean you, there's just people don't understand you know because like you were saying with enemas sarah's been doing enemas for, for four years four years and she still continues to do them and it helps her dramatically helps her and, you know, some we just don't talk about enema health to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> with, with good reason. Yeah. Now, what inspired you to make a documentary? Oh, my gosh. It was a dream come true. Um, I, I uh, knew someone who was graduating from film, and I knew I wanted to do a documentary at some point because – um, like, you know, you have a hundred and what, 58 episodes, you have 158 hours of information about Lyme. Most people are not going to sit and listen to that. People who are really sick and need help will. And even our podcast, there's people who don't want to sit and listen to a podcast. So I just really wanted to create something that in a short amount of time brought a level of awareness and understanding because, um, to the, to the Lyme patient, but also to to the family, to the family, the surround the the surrounding community of that Lyme patient. 
Yeah. And honestly, I always thought I would need to write a book before I did a documentary. So I did really focus on, I have my story written for a book. I I don't know, 60 or 70% done. But when I realized, oh my goodness, I can take the bits of my story and put it in a documentary. It was just huge. I felt like, Mm -hmm. um, so it was really a dream come true. And it took us about six months and it wasn't full time, you know, we'd have writing days and then filming days and different stuff. It was pretty close to full time. Yeah, it was pretty intense. But um oh my gosh, McKay, it was so so thrilling for me to like <laughs> see the project come alive and be able to tell people's stories and I mean, a few podcasts into Lion Voice, I knew like there's an emotional weight when people are contacting you and telling their story, right? I mean, you feel it. You are watching these people suffer. And I knew I can't help all these people, but I can help tell their story. And so that has kind of fueled the podcast and that definitely played into the documentary. And it's, um, I think it's actually 14 minutes long, 14, 15 minutes long. And it features me, our family, and then three other people. And one of those people we met through the podcast, our friends, we've become real good friends with them, Stephen and Heather Groters. And so, you know, the documentary is only 12 minutes, but there's a lot of other footage that we took that we'll do other projects with in the future. But it was so fun. It was incredible. (laughs) But it's a heavy topic, right? (laughs) It kind of felt weird. I'm like, this is so neat. But it's so neat because I feel like it just really brings awareness in a short in a short amount of time. Yeah, there was so many people that 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 weren't sick, you know, even like mother-in-laws that went and saw that had watched their, their kids go through it, but then watched the, watch the documentary and say, I had no idea it was that bad. And I'll tell you, McKay, we started, there's two clips of video that I have when I was having seizures. There's another, um, Steven, they, we show some clips of seizures and I felt like that was really important because when I watched under our skin, um, some of their mannerisms, when I saw their inability to walk, I was like, Oh my gosh, that's what I've been living with for years and nobody could figure it out. So there's something really powerful about yeah. combining video and music and testimonies. It just seemed like a really powerful way to communicate. Mm-hmm. So where can people see this? Uh, they can go to linevoice.com. And if you sign up for our newsletter, there's a pop-up and it'll get emailed to you right away. Okay. Yeah. You fill out the email form and uh, give us your email and then the email gets sent directly to you. And it's a link uh, to, to a site that has the, the video. Yeah. And we also did a children's book. I mean, it took a couple years, but it actually got released right about the same time the documentary did in May. And we just did a, a children's book of a little bird family and it kind of depicts the life of a parent with a chronic illness. And that one's on Amazon, just called little bite, big trouble. So we've had, we did take a year break from podcasting, but we had quite a few projects in the works. It looks really seems like you were. Yeah. Focusing and the the creative process forces you to focus. Which mm-hmm. is, which is wonderful, right? You have, like you said, there's so much uh, film 
digital film on the floor, <laughs> so to yeah. speak, right? That, that you didn't use because if you're creating coherent story, you need yeah. to, you need to focus on something. And the, the same with writing a book. You can't, especially a children's book. I mean, in some ways, the, the beautiful, you know, a short film and a children's book, you really have to hone down to, to one message. You can't really f- try to include everything. I think that's one of the things that, that Horowitz is struggling with, you know, with his, his MSIDs is that mm-hmm. he's got, yeah, there, what is it? 17 or 19 different things. And like, you know, how many people can, can wrap their mind around 19 different things. Not too many. Mm, Yeah. Not too many at all. Yeah. That's a good point. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, I listening to you guys, is like one of the podcasts, you know, since you're full-time podcasters now um, to put together as a podcast for, uh, for the families and, and significant others of people with a chronic illness. It's like, how do I support the people in my life? Um, That's, that's, you know, Aaron, I heard you say that. It's like, okay, that's a podcast right there. Yeah. And that's, yeah. and it's universal. It is universal. Yeah. It's, it's so important. And, and we just see, I mean, you know, even within our relationship, when I wasn't on board or when I wasn't in the same way, thought process, when I wasn't thinking the same way as her, it caused her to regress almost. And, when, you know, coming out of that and seeing the error in that, um, and, and I don't blame people because, you know, I was never intentionally trying to hurt her or intentionally try to ignore the situation. It's just, just like you said earlier, there's so much to know. There's so much to understand that we've said it. I don't know how many times it is an unfathomable amount of suffering that you're dealing with. And so for the significant other to hear that, you know, whether it be a parent, a sibling, a a spouse for them to understand, to grasp that. I mean, it's, it's, it's unconceivable on how much pain and how much suffering the Lyme patient is going through. And so for us as the, as the spouse to catch up next to it and catch up what's, you know, actually going on within that body that's just being tormented daily and moment and moment to moment is just so, struggling so hard. It, it needs explanation. It needs time and it needs tenderness. And, and we have, you know, as the, as the spouse, as the other person involved, you, you have to communicate that and, and, and to do that in a way, you know, I mean, sickness doesn't make you happy. <laughs> And, and so for, for two people that are trying, you know, how, how many people end up in divorce in the first place and then throw sickness into that, you know, the, the divorce rate and is just out, is just out of control for people with sickness because there's so much to understand. So you really have to, to treat it in a new way, in a way that can communicate clearly and effectively and compassionately. And, and that is just that for me, myself, that's just been a passion for me. And, you know, I, I still don't have all the answers, but we're we're at least in the ballpark. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, <clears throat> I kind of get it now. We're in the game. We weren't you weren't always in the game. No, definitely not. I was still in the parking lot. <laughs> and to your credit in the stands. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. In True. The stands. There we go. There you go. 
And to his credit, I mean, I remember as I hit the seventh year of excruciating pain, I'd already dealt with fatigue. I was having a ton of neurological stuff and I'm in bed. I am just crying. And he, you know, he said what he had always been saying is it's going to get better. And I was so mad at him for saying that because I'm like, you have been saying that for years. Like it is not getting better. (laughs) it is costing us a fortune to stay here in this place. And, but, you know, through that, it's easier to see things in hindsight. But I think that, you know, for us, it's just been this continual learning process. Mm -hmm. Learn how to fight in different ways. Learn how to think differently. Learn how to demand a certain type of care from the people you see. But then there's also been this, like, restoring our family and our intellectual relationship and our emotional relationship in trying to function more normally. Cause there's a lot of learned behaviors and habits when you're chronically sick, you think like a sick person. So we've had to just undo some of that. You know, that's mm-hmm. fascinating. There was about 20, 15, 20 years ago, I started found this writing about chronic fatigue And there were two separate people. Well, actually three of them that I was reading about. So one was a doctor who had kind of finally got to the point where I was, well, you know, it's not just one viral infection. It's a multiple viral. So it's, it's accumulated effect of multiple viruses and it doesn't really matter what uh, particular viruses are in the soup. But once you, he started testing for seven viruses or something like that instead of just one specific one. And once he started casting a wider net, he found the people with this chronic fatigue, uh, fibromyalgia had like somewhere between three and five different viruses, uh, infecting them active at the same time. And then there's a chiropractor who is doing some upper cervical adjustments and eliminating the pain. Hmm. And there was an orthopedic surgeon who was doing some sort of upper, upper cervical surgery and releasing pain that way. And he had a clinic out West and he, his comments were fascinating because he said, Look, we're doing a great job at relieving these people's pain. However, we're not able to restore, I'm going to borrow your words a little bit, restore their spirit. Mm. They still have all the habits of somebody who's sick. Yes. So they're not in pain anymore, but they're not healthy. Yeah. Wow. They never yep. healed, right? They never right. healed. Yeah. Yeah. And I say that in the documentary, like my soul for years, my soul would beg for mercy from an illness with no name. And it's true. Like even after, so in 2013, I went out to Invita Medical. I was there for two months, came home and implemented a two-year protocol, which was juicing, coffee enemas, tons of supplements, and then did phone visits with my doctor through Invita. After that though, it has required, like, I have been there for two years, really feeling like, okay, I'm here. I'm present. I'm trying to be present. Like, I'm thankful that I can be out of bed and watching this basketball game. But the entire time, I'm trying not to mourn the losses. I'm trying to appreciate what I do have and not focus on what's been lost. Because, like, honestly, I feel like there's this five-year window with our kids. Mm-hmm. And 
there was not a lot of joy in our house. There, we were struggling on so many levels, and that is just heartbreaking. Especially because those those formative years for I mean, well, I mean, if one through eighteen are formative years, so if you got a kid in any of those <laughs> between one, well, actually, it's extended past one to twenty five. Those are really the formative years, and if, as a parent, if you can't be there through any part of that, there is a hole that's left, and. You know, sometimes it's even daunting to look at the family and say, okay, you know what, this child didn't get X through, you know, what you didn't get any of these needs met. met. Yeah. And so how do we not only heal, but go back and do extra repair, extra effort into them. And so, you know, sometimes that can, that alone, you know, you're feeling better, but all of a sudden the emotions and the loss come you know, come and just dump on you. So you can be in this really good place physically, but all of a sudden it's no longer good because now you're reminded of all the losses that you've had. And that, that's been hard to deal with. That's been a surprise for us to how, how hard it's been to be well in uh, a sense. Emotionally. Cause we tell yeah, each emotionally. other, Aaron, um, he's been working from home one or two days a week for the last three years. Now we're working from home full time, but multiple times a week, even now we will look at each other and say, Hey, we're not in crisis. Yeah. Like, Hey, we're all good because one of us emotionally is shutting down or feeling overwhelmed or, you know, we, the lack that's been in our lives is just, you know, everything we own needs to be replaced. <laughs> right. Cause we've been treating three people for Lyme. And it's, it's hard to emotionally keep going forward and say, Hey, we're not in crisis. We're not where we want to be, but we're, we're making progress emotionally, physically, financially, whatever it is. But yeah, it is a ton of work. Yeah. I have this image of, and it's probably stolen from several movies, the, the the war just ends and the survivors are coming out from the wreckage and the carnage, mm-hmm. uh, human as well as just physical, you know, some place that's just completely bombed out. And it's like, Oh, thank God the you know, the war is over. However, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't have running water. You don't have electricity. You don't have a solid roof over your head. The streets don't work. There's no buses, none of that there. And it's like, it's like, shoot, they need yeah. to, <laughs> need to begin to rebuild this and it's it's hard work it's going back to you know what are we 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 start this building process when we're some somewhere in our 20s where we start putting a life together and it's just been ripped 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 apart yeah Yeah. and here's a loaded question for you and if you want to dodge it that's that's fine so (laughs) you two you know to use this horrible phrase are faith-based Mm-hmm. Yes. Is how, how do people do it when they don't believe in a God, uh, in God, a, I'll just say it that way, not in a God, but in God, a, and, or don't have a religious community around them. So there are people who believe in God, but yeah, I don't go to church. And then there are people, well, I don't go to church and I don't believe in God. And where where do you get the understanding 
to go through because I think in, in in the major religions and Christianity in particular, there's a and maybe Judaism would be a second uh, close second, but I, I don't know. Anyway, I should just be quiet because I'm not a religious <laughs> scholar. But anyway, Christianity, what I'm familiar with, there is a structure, and this you know this is there's hope, right? This is the way you get through this. This is how you get you get through these really, really tough times and, and a community that surrounds you. But in the absence of that is, you know, what, what's, what's there. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. Um, well, I think first thing that comes to mind is, uh, whether or not we believe or not there, there, most of us believe in a higher source and a higher, power um well you know there is some that don't believe at all but it still kind of doesn't change the fact i mean if we were to say i don't believe in lime anymore therefore i'm going to be fine well it doesn't change the fact that there still is a disease in your body and you can't wish it away um and just not believing in something doesn't make it disappear yeah so it's still true and you know i i, I think that higher force, the higher power is ultimately there for our good. And it want, you know, there's so religion, religion kills more people than anything else. It's, it's when we put this, we put rules and regulations against the creator of the universe that we get into trouble. So many people I've seen have been hurt by religion. And I would like to say that we're not religious. We believe in a higher power, but we don't believe in all the religious. In the sense of like uh, a a term that you hear in churches a lot is, oh, well, God's going to use this illness. Like you're going to touch people's lives because you're suffering. Yeah. And And that's so destructive. I think that's a a complete fallacy and in no way helps anyone suffering. Um, so, yeah, we've, I feel like in some senses, we've stepped away from a lot of religion and now have like a, a deeper spiritual look on things. A relationship in a sense. Yeah. And we've just learned some stuff too, McKay. Honestly, I don't know how people get through it without a support network. I don't know how people get through it yeah. without resources. You know, there's a lot of factors, but one of the things we've learned and which is why we moved up to Colorado to go to Bible college for the next three years is I thought our power, we both grew up in church. I thought our power came through prayer. And a lot of people do believe that. And I think prayer meditation is a, is a key point for a lot of people. But in some of our repairing processes, we've done a ton of reading on self-help and financial success And what we have learned is that while our relationship with the Lord comes through our prayer life and through knowing the word, our power to overcome and change our lives comes through speaking. Mm -hmm. And so I'll just give you a quick example. One of the concepts that we learned in 2015 was to speak to the mountain. So whatever or the obstacle or the hurdle. So whatever is standing in our way, whether it's fatigue or lack or maybe a rash or pain that day, instead of being like, okay, this is our day and we're going to put everything on hold and deal with this thing, we still deal with it, but we speak against it. Um, 
So I would say like, okay, fatigue, I command you to leave. And so we do a lot more of like declarative prayers versus dear God, please help me and heal me. Please ease this suffering or, you know, whatever it is, we speak directly against the issues, problems, and symptoms that we have. And I don't even know how to accurately describe it, McKay, but it has set us free on so many levels. I believe the human spirit has a lot more power than any of us really understand. And whether or not you believe in God or not, we still have power in our words and our affirmations, our positive thoughts, our positive affirmations have real significant power. And when we give ourselves to those and, and you believe it and you actually understand it, because it doesn't work if you don't believe in it. That's a simple thing. It is. If you believe in this, it's not magic, but it is if you if you believe in it and you put yourself into it. So a, a affirmation or um, a positive statement can become very powerful if you believe in it. I mean, you hear of people that have gotten up out of their wheelchairs and, uh, you know, the doctors told them they'll never walk again. And they say, no, I am going to stand again someday. I will run again someday. And and you see them working through that and making those positive statements and actually believing it. That is when we see some amazing things happen. And whether or not you believe in a higher power or not, affirmations work. Yeah, they really work. And and having a positive attitude, it it changes the ballgame completely. We are powerful creatures. We have the human spirit, the human endurance can conquer more than we realize. So it's not like we're denying, for instance, like if there's fatigue, we're not denying that fatigue exists, but we deny it the right to stay there. Does that make sense? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so are you casting out the devil? Uh, I, I think it's more like casting out the hindrances. It doesn't matter if something is demonic, if you want to use that word. It's removing whatever obstacles are in your way. And so. Yeah, uh, you know, that that. And that too, like, as we've sat and we've seen it affect our friends and some of our family members as we've learned this over the last couple of years. And um, I feel like it really takes us about two to four hours to kind of explain some of what we've learned in in an implementable way. And that's why we're going to, in January, we're launching Fight Hill Live, which is a podcast specifically about overcoming chronic illnesses. Um not so much focused on juicing enemas and supplements, but more on the spiritual side of things. Cause I, and, and I believe there's a ton of power when you can do both. Like it doesn't have to be one or the other. It's, it's another tool. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Clearly you, you, we live, we live, we're flesh, you know, we, we live, mm-hmm. we live in a physical world. And you can't deny that we can't as much as you'd like to believe. And some people do that. You, you can't live on air. Yeah. You know, you can live without food for a long time, water for a little bit, but you can't live on air. You know, you do need yeah. to eat and nourish your body and you do need to physically rebuild and then emotionally rebuild and spiritually rebuild after, you know, and, and that's so, so one of these 
conversations that come up, particularly with Lyme disease. And I think we'll know the answer soon enough with these new tests that are about to uh, change the world completely in the next uh, two to five years that we'll actually be able to see, is there any uh, infectious RNA or DNA floating around in the body, right? Are there any actual spirochetes left or whatever the infection is, right? We'll we'll know that soon enough, right? But it it doesn't matter. It's like if you've gotten to a certain point and you're uh, emerging from the wreckage, you Mm -hmm. still have to rebuild. Yeah. You know, and Mm -hmm. so it does change things a little bit if there's still snipers left around or booby traps or whatever, you know, using that kind of war analogy. You know, that does change things some, but there's still the work that needs to be done. And at some point, it changes, the work changes from, and I think you've spoke to this in, in this podcast, from fighting the obstacles to, to rebuilding, you know, and, to, yeah. and recreate. I mean, essentially what you do moving to Colorado, it's like, okay, we're going to recreate, recreate our lives. Oh, absolutely. And we would have never, I think we wouldn't have done it. Like we've had to literally evaluate every aspect of our life. What does our environment do for us? Is it feed us or take from us? What does our work schedules do for us? Is it, is it, are we working schedules based on our optimal time that we're awake and alert? Or are we just doing the standard or status quo? What food are we eating? Are we eating, you know, we've had to reevaluate every aspect of our lives because energy and resources were so valuable. We've had to just say, okay, like we want to maximize our life. And if this, which is one of the reasons we love Colorado, like it seriously soothes my soul. Mm-hmm on a daily basis. Like when the wind is blowing, I mean, it's just like incredible. I'm like, I love this. <laughs> I don't think we would have given ourselves permission to want on this level. Yeah. And it's, and it's wait, hard. Wait, 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 wait. So because it would have been selfish. Why? That's an yeah. interesting statement. Yeah. I think like, especially when our kids were younger, we really wanted them to be around our family. And I don't know that I would have, I mean, we've always loved Colorado. We came here for our, uh, honeymoon, but I would have thought, yeah, it's selfish or I should just be thankful for what I do have, which I think are okay, but it's really made us evaluate every aspect of our lives. Okay. What does the geography do for us? Mm -hmm. Does it set us up to live a healthy, active lifestyle? Well, the place we are at didn't. (laughs) So, okay, here, we're going to recreate our lives in this way with these intentions. Um, there's one of the things I feel like we've come to see is while it wasn't my fault, I got Lyme disease. It is my responsibility to put our lives back together. Yeah. And that's a really unfair thing. And it's really hard. And I'm astounded at how much energy we've put into it and still are putting in, but we do, we've had to relearn how to do everything because the way we did it was so dysfunctional we were living in that crisis fight or flight mode for years after we are out of crisis. And this may sound daunting, but we've, especially for if for someone who's just starting out on this journey, but you have to reshape your entire life. And here, and I know that sounds really daunting, but at the same time, you don't do it all at once. It's the old analogy of how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? 
but what we've done is we we made the step to do one thing that was really hard and then that progressed to the next step and we didn't just sit in in the first victory we had to keep pushing forward to the next victory and each victory built up to the point where we now are able to move you know we've moved away from our family into a new environment that is better for our family i work from home now we're 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 doing all these I mean, in a sense, we're living the dream, but it didn't come at all at once. It was little by little. And each victory that we had gave us a hunger for the next one. And so, you know, my advice for your listeners is not don't, you know, yes, you are going to have to change your whole life, but don't worry about doing it all at once. Whether it be taking those supplements, whether, you know, taking a walk instead of, you know, you want to run a marathon. Well, you eventually you 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 got to start training and if it's a half a mile walk to get it started then that's what you do and and each victory leads to the next and it's that fighting mindset where you're just ready to go to the next you know you're not satisfied for with what you have you want to keep moving forward i mean you take you rejoice in what you have and you celebrate what you have but you you're never complacent in just one area what I hear you uh, advocating is a lot different than what we hear, especially around uh, events we don't like or don't want to accept, um, the kind of, oh, it must have happened for a reason. Yes. And then go searching for the reason as opposed to, this is a mountain in my way and mountain get out of my way. And yeah. today, so, so it's kind of two questions with that, you know, th- so that's clearly whether your cause in the matter, right, to borrow from a, a an, another school of thought, whether whether you're causing your life, whether you're creating your life or whether you're looking to explain the situation you're in. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's living proactively instead of reactively. And I feel like I, I kind of functioned that way naturally and Aaron didn't. Right. And, and so for me, I'm like, Hey, let's talk about this thing that is causing chaos in our life. And he would just be like, well, what are we going to like? That's just life. And with him kind of making a shift, my dad, um, my dad was a pastor for 33 years. And when he retired, he he had always done real estate and different things. And he ended up creating a course called G5T. I think it's G5T.money. And it's just a, it's a financial intelligence, the psychology behind money and the limits we put on ourselves. And Aaron, when, when we went through that in 2015, it truly was one of the best things we did for our marriage in the recovery realm. And also for your Lyme disease was a financial, a financial course set me up to help her conquer Lyme. Yeah. And he, I felt like he got that concept, like, okay, we can live a proactive life and not just react to what is happening or being forced upon us. And that's just made a huge difference in our lives. Huge. So Aaron, what do you remember waking up, so to speak, the revelation? (laughs) It's like, oh my God, there's a different way. Or uh, this is, you know, I've, 
you know, whether it was looking back and saying, well, I've, I've really lived one way, it's time to live another, or, you know, whether it just opened up as like, wow, you know, all of a sudden it's like uh, Alice, not Alice, but the, uh, the Wizard of Oz, where uh, all of a sudden everything's in color. Mm. What was that moment for you, Aaron? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that moment was when I, you know, we through this course, we read several, uh, several authors. And so it was, you know, from all different walks of life, uh, from Carnegie all the way to Kiyosaki. Napoleon uh, Hill. And what really stood out to me is the principles. It didn't matter who the author was. There was certain principles that these guys, there are certain rules that they were following. And it didn't matter who you were, where you came from, if you were poor when you started or rich when you started. Those principles, those laws that are in place for financial freedom, they worked for didn't matter who they were. And so to me, I think that was the aha moment for myself when I could see, look, these guys did this, this and this and they succeeded forward. I can do the same. And that really just kind of led to the next and the next and the next. Does that, does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, there's this funny analogy of uh, being in a car and it's hurtling down the road and we've got firm grip on the rear view mirror and mm-hmm. we take courses on steering the rear view mirror and uh, we talk to other people about it and, read books and, but it doesn't give us any control. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, we can, we can just see what's hurtling behind us. And eventually, you know, we crash, which mm-hmm. is kind of the metaphor. And then that's at what you're describing is somebody says, wait a minute, here's the steering wheel. Here's the brake. Here's the accelerator. And you're like, Oh my God. Right. I could drive this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, McKay, we've learned some universal laws through that course, that G5T course, that we didn't understand. And um, an example I like to use is like the law of lift. The law of lift lift has always existed. But before we figured that out, like a bird flying in the air seemed like magic. And now we just see it as these they're utilizing the laws and the engineering that exist. And so when an airplane can fly, it's not magic, right? It's just implementing universal laws. And I feel like through the self-help and financial stuff that we've learned, we are learning to use laws we didn't know existed, but had always impacted us. And speaking and declaring what you want and what your intentions are is a really key tool for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well put. Okay. I'm out of questions. <laughs> <laughs> so why, why don't we wrap up by just just give all your web addresses and let people know where they can reach you. And, okay. And, uh, of course, we'll also put these in the show notes so they can just go there and, and link if you're driving or running and listening to this or sick in bed. Yeah, right. Um. So you can find us online. It's lionvoice.com, one word. Um, You can sign up for our newsletter. I also blog quite a bit through Facebook. So you can follow. um, We have a Lion Voice group. We also have a Fight, Heal, Live group. Um, Similar concept of stuff. 
And then you can always email us through the website. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Sarah Slickty Sanchez is what I'm on Facebook. And Aaron is Aaron L. Sanchez. Yeah, and Sarah spends a lot of time in on, on those Facebook groups. Uh, she's been really putting her foot into a lot of those places and helping quite a few people. So uh, Facebook is a great way. But, you know, the personal... The, to personally contact us, limevoice.com is probably the best way. And then, of course, if you want to um, find Sarah's book on Amazon, that's Little Bite, Big Trouble, and you can order that right on on Amazon. Of course, there is a link at Lime Voice that links you right to that, but both of those will work for that. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much. great episode and there was one part of the conversation that you guys were having you guys brought up something that's really important that I don't think often gets brought up which is at what point do you hmm what's the difference between or what's the distinction between curing the disease and recovering from your illness, you know, cause Sarah made that distinction of there's a, there was the point in her life where she was curing her Lyme disease. And now she's in a point of her life where she's recovering from that and getting over that. I am very, very sick kind yes. of mindset. So there are two answers to that. And the technical answer is we don't know. Yeah. Because the testing. Well, you know, maybe Klinghart's new testing would do that, but that's still not readily available to everybody. Uh, you used to have to get the ultrasound to challenge the body and get some of the proteins out of your system and break up the spirochetes. And so then you do a urine catch and do a PCR after that yeah. to, to find the, the DNA that's in there, the proteins that are in there. So in, in the absence of that, there does come a point in a person's recovery, in a Lyme Ninja's recovery, on their road, their Lyme Ninja journey, that they feel better. Not they're 100% better, but it's not so much that they're just trying to kill the disease anymore. It's like they've gotten back on top of this. And whether or not the disease is active, including the co-infections, or whether it's dormant. What do I want to say? I'm not going to say if it's active. It stopped being active. So whether or not it's 100% what I I want to say is whether or not it's 100% gone Mm -hmm. or whether it's dormant, functionally that doesn't matter. At that point, you you need to rebuild the damage that's been done. You need to recover from the disease. It's like Yeah, like start getting back into your life again. Yeah. So a real simple example is you break your leg. Now the bone's set by the doctor and now you have to recover. Now the bone has to stitch together and heal. Right. So Obviously, in Lyme disease, that point getting to the point where the bone is set is a lot more complicated. Yeah, there's a lot more twists and turns in yeah. that journey than just simply going to the doctor. But that's that's not a bad analogy there. So there becomes that point, and we'll know soon enough with this new testing whether or not it's actually you've defeated the disease completely and it's cleared from your body, or it's just in small enough numbers that it's not a problem anymore. Yeah, I mean, we live with viruses in our body and with bad bacteria in our guts and in our mouth all the time, but we don't have strep every day of the week. But if you cultured our mouth, 
there be strep in there. You know, there, there are viruses, there are bacteria in our mouth all the time, right? That's a whole rule of thumb that as a as a parent that if your child gets bit by a dog, it's going to be okay. But if it <laughs> gets bit by their best friend, it's going to be infected. So anyway, so, that, so that's, that yeah. kind of speaks to that point a little bit, right? Yeah. There becomes a point where you functionally, you know that, okay, now I'm feeling, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling like I'm being attacked by the disease anymore. Yeah. I don't feel like I've constantly have to wake up and, and, and herx from the disease. Now, really, like with my killing treatments, I don't herx as much because there's nothing much there happening anymore. So now, but I'm not 100%, so I need to rebuild. Great. And I think that's the point she yeah. was making, right? Yeah. That's it's a complicated line to draw in the sand is kind of what it's I'm... It's a judgment call right now. Yeah. It's a judgment. And it's, I mean, you know, whether you're... Where, let me go down another rabbit hole right here. So if you're out there listening and you're deciding, well, you know, am I ready to go for to rebuilding or, or am I still trying to kill off the bacteria? It's a judgment and it you don't have to get it right. You yeah. know, it, it's okay to pulse. I mean, you can take a break. From the from the killing type herbs, if you're doing pretty good, wait a month, wait a couple of weeks, and then go back on it again, and then see what happens. See if there's another herx right there. But if there isn't, you know, if you do that a couple times, you go through a couple cycles, and nothing much is happening. Then maybe it's time to think about more, you know, using herbs to rebuild adaptogens to start adding in a little bit more exercise to rebuild the mitochondria, rebuild your muscles, you know, rebuild your nerves. That are there. Okay. If you like what we're doing here, please send us some feedback. If you have any suggestions for us, people we could interview, interesting topics you'd like to hear us cover, stuff like that, feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. And also, if you would take a moment and head on over to iTunes for us, we'd really, really appreciate it. It means a lot to the iTunes, what is it? Algorithms. Yeah. <laughs> like algorithms, a person or the right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're computers. Mr. The, algorithm. The computers. Over at iTunes. <laughs> iTunes computers like it when you leave an interview. And that way we go up the rankings, people get exposed to us, and more people get this great information. And we'd like to say thank you to Meredith Klein. She left a very lovely review. Last week, she said, I'm so grateful for Lime Ninja Radio. You guys are so awesome. Thanks so much for the energy you put into these shows. I really appreciate all that I'm learning from you guys. So, Meredith, thank you. We think you're awesome, too. We do think you're <laughs> awesome. And, Meredith, send us uh, a short email with your name and address. Well, we know your name. With your address. We have a little something to give you, a little Lime Ninja swag. So send an email to feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com and we'll get your little gift on the way to you. Yes. Um, also, if you want to hear even more from us, go on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com and you can sign up for the Ninja Nuggets. And you'll want to do that. Aurora's been tracking what articles get the most interest from you out there and what she's finding far and away is what you're interested in is different types of treatments and particularly alternative type treatments i think that's our audience is in sync with that me being an acupuncturist and the guests that we have we're not just doing all antibiotics all the time we try to bring you other avenues to take care of yourself 
Yes. So uh, this this week I found articles on rolfing, hyperthermia, which is that body heating treatment, and of course that gluten free, sugar free diet. Gotta go sugar free. I don't know about gluten free, but if, <laughs> if it irritates you, you should try it. And just going over to LimeNinjaRadio.com and fill in your name and email. Also, if you don't know your Lime score yet, do yourself a favor. Head back on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com front slash tracker. Yes, the word tracker. Yes. T-R-A-C-K-E-R. And uh, you can fill out the Lime Ninja symptom tracker, and it is free. Yeah, you know, we're getting some amazing feedback. And I was in a private Facebook, Facebook group this week, and a woman was talking about her symptom score and what she was doing and how she had reduced it by about 40 points in a month. Oh, wow. And she was really quite excited about that. Yeah. And she was kind of looking in the areas where she still had to improve. So it's a really useful way to track your Lyme journey and see how things are going. Now, not everybody's going to drop 40 points in a week, in a month. In a month. In a month. Yeah. But it's a way to know whether you're going sideways, forward, backwards, and really, over the year or two, it really takes to climb back out of the depths of Lyme disease, and sometimes longer, let's be honest. Sometimes it's five years, sometimes it's seven years, that this can help you keep on track because it's it's hard to keep track and remember. I mean, who remembers what they had for dinner last week, let alone how they were feeling a month ago, right? Yeah. Or five years ago. Yeah. So head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com front slash tracker. And lastly... And maybe finally for this segment, we went <laughs> kind of long. So if you're bit. if you're still listening to us, either you've got insomnia and you can't sleep, or you really really like us. Either way, thank you. And we really really <laughs> like you then too. But lastly, as you longtime line ninjas know, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the lime ninja fact of the day. Did you know if you are stuck on a test and you don't know the answer to a question, just write in ninja. The answer is always ninja. Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.